<laughs> we'll check it in an hour. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sometimes I start off with a very important question. Are you recording already? Oh, we're rolling. Oh, wow. You just ride off the... Just jump into it. I just threw these things on my head. (laughs) (laughs) We got about an hour. Lee's going to get to the airport with about 30 minutes to catch his flight, so... We're going to be cutting this one close, but I do want to start off with an extremely important question. Can you spell the word silk for me? S-I-L-K? Can you spell it three times fast? Is this some sort of a joke? No. S-I-L-K... S-I-L-K, S-I-L-K. All right, say it three times fast. I did. No, say it now three times fast. Silk, silk, silk. What do cows drink? Milk. That can't work on anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, you're at a disadvantage because I know your routine. He still know. doesn't know that he's wrong. Cows drink water. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love starting off with that question <laughs> because nobody ever gets it yeah. right. <clears throat> oh, dude. Although yeah. we, we were proven wrong that some cows do actually drink milk. Uh, technically early on, yeah. I would, I would, yeah, they do. Cows. Don't Consum- calves cows. drink milk? They do, Consume yeah. their mother's milk. So or in, a, in a way, I'm milk. not totally wrong. You're not totally Technically, wrong. you're not totally wrong. <laughs> but because of, but this, for the sake of the question, you were definitely wrong. Yeah. I, th- there's only been like a couple people in the history of me asking that. I asked that question to a lot of people. I think there's only a couple people that have actually gotten it right. Just said water right up. The yeah, like yeah. They drink water. Yeah. It's like, and, and it's just, it's demoralizing. But, <laughs> um, all right, guys. Thank you all for tuning in. We have two special guests, Aaron and Greg with the hunting public. I'm sure y'all need no introduction. I'm sure a lot of our viewers already know you guys, but excited to have y'all on. I think this is one we've wanted to do for a while. Um, but <clears throat> just for this, you know, just where we are logistically, it's hard to kind of cross paths sometimes. So, um, I kind of want to get started by asking you guys like how y'all, I mean, I know y'all's background at, at Midwest whitetail, but jumping into the YouTube scene, like how did y'all get started? Like whose idea was that? Like what, what was the vision for it early on? I mean, even, even, I mean, we talked a lot yesterday, so some of this might be a little bit repetitive, but even like y'all's name, I'm curious, like, you know, I, I always assumed the hunting public was just based on like hunting public lands, but there's a little bit of a different meaning behind it, right? From kind of what I heard yesterday. Yeah. It's uh the hunting public is supposed to stand for the general public that hunts. Right. So like anytime folks refer to the general public that hunts, a lot of times they say it's the hunting public, you know, and that's. That's basically the way we see it. It's like we're just average dudes that love to hunt. And mostly we've done it all, all our lives on permission and hunting public land. Uh, and we just, we just relate to the general public that hunts, hunting public. So how did y'all get started, like, jumping into the YouTube scene? Like, how did how, whose idea was it? Like, what was the vision there? Was it, I mean, because for Drew and I's side, it was kind of like, I, mean, I told y'all yesterday, like, this was back in 2017, I guess. 2015 was the first. But when we started doing YouTube, oh, like YouTube, our own yeah, YouTube. I think it was 2017. And I told y'all yesterday, like, I mean, we were grinding on our Instagram to get 5,000 followers on Instagram. And Drew was just uploading the videos on YouTube. We were, we were originally doing videos for Mossy Oak's Facebook page, and then Drew was just kind of just uploading them. As a place to like store the videos, yeah, mm-hmm. like it, not expecting anyone to see them. Like honestly. no, no titles, almost like no thumbnails, and we just turned around and looked at it one day, and it's like we've been grinding on Instagram trying to trying to grow our platform here, and then we turn to YouTube, and it's like there's ten thousand subscribers here, and we've done basically nothing. That was what kind of opened our eyes to hey, maybe we should run with this YouTube thing. But I'm kind of curious, like where the vision came from on y'all's side. Coming out of Midwest Whitetail, we had been, well, Midwest Whitetail started on a website, MidwestWhitetail.com. Then we got into TV, went away from TV and started doing more digital platforms there. And then YouTube was kind of the last one that we started to get into. We kind of stayed away from it as long as we could, but we started to see the value of posting on YouTube. So when we started off on our own, it was kind of the, you know, the no brainer place to go. And the barrier to entry is obviously very low as opposed to something like building a website, as opposed to Mm -hmm. going on TV or something like that, which there's a huge barrier to entry on TV. So YouTube was the, like the, really the no brainer choice. 
Well, when you're pretty much broke and you can't pay somebody to put a show on <laughs> well, yeah. TV, it's, it's oh, yeah. the it's only the logical that was conclusion. You, yeah, were saying, there was. you were saying yesterday that you were possibly going to go fix laundry machines yeah, or maybe start a hunting brand that could be one of the biggest hunting brands ever. You're kind of like teetering on that little. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I said I was. Well, you said gonna, the first part, I and then gonna, I added in the second part. Yeah, <laughs> I was possibly going to go fix laundry machines and maybe film on occasion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, go back to mowing uh, yeah. golf courses. That's where I, you know, worked as a kid during the summer. Zach was he's a free spirit. Probably would have been a small mouth fishing guide somewhere. <laughs> he yeah. was talking so, about going. Yeah, he, he, who knows? I mean, we were mm-hmm. when I left. I just. Went to the, I went back to the house and I, be honest, I ripped a few cigarettes at the time because I was a nervous freaking wreck. Marlboro Reds. I don't smoke now. No, they're Marlboro Lights. But I was, <laughs> I was uh, severely stressed out. And I'm not advocating for smoking. Don't smoke. It's bad for you. But I was really stressed at the time, so I was just sitting there in my chair, and uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking about doing is just maybe starting our own business in some way and filming people editing on the side and yeah i was i was intending to at some point continue to film our hunts and put them somewhere mm-hmm. but i didn't we didn't really have a plan or anything like that i was like i'm i mean my old boss marvin was still operating the appliance store in mexico missouri where i worked in college and <laughs> like i loved working there he's a big hunter so yeah we used to take off a lot of time we, we put the clothes sign on the door a lot of time until like noon or one in the afternoon just so we could go hunting in the morning. Yeah. So I was like, man, I'm going to go back and do that. At what point did it become like, hey, this is real. We can do this full time. Like what do you all remember at what point that was for you guys? Well, we kind of we kind of just got to get when we started this deal, we just got together at his house at the kitchen table and we're like, okay, let's give this a whirl. I mean, we pulled – Money together, me and Greg. I don't remember what we had. Maybe twelve thousand enough bucks. to buy a couple laptops and a couple cameras. Yeah, I think that was it. Just the basics to get us going. Yep. And uh, we got it. We we basically got the business going with that equipment, and then we worked on other editing projects for six months while the YouTube channel got started. So, like, we started the hunting public on YouTube, and it started to grow because we came out of Midwest Whitetail, and we were doing a lot of public land hunting stuff on Midwest Whitetail. So, people, that that helped us a lot out of the gate mm-hmm. because people wanted to see that public land hunting content, and we were still out there filming stuff, mainly Zach that first year because me and Greg were, you know, we didn't have no money and didn't have no income, so me and Greg were working behind the scenes to you know, edit projects and stuff. And actually one of the contracts that I had was with my boss, Bill at Midwest Whitetail. As I left and I kept talking with him and he's like, I may need a little bit of help editing some shows this fall. I'm like, well, I can help you do that. Like that's kind of one of the avenues I was thinking about going down was, you know, starting our own production business. So mm-hmm. yeah, I would say originally that's kind of where we were headed is doing more contract work and custom work like that. Yep. Yeah, And that's kind of how we made our living for the first eight months or so. So we were just paying bills, you know, not making much, just enough to get by that first six, eight months while Zach was in the field with Jake and Brody mostly um, filming content and posting it to YouTube. We didn't know what we, what we had really. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just, we came up with the, with the idea for it. I, I basically, my best friend Beamer sat there in a chair in our basement at the time and I just told him to write everything down. And I sat there and drank coffee and putted golf balls for like three hours. And he just wrote down everything. <laughs> and then I somehow cobbled that together into a business plan. But did the, it did it like immediately start working for you guys? Or was there kind of a like period where it was like, uh, maybe this isn't. Like, what the heck are we doing? Yeah. Because for us, we definitely were kind of like, eh, like there was a very wishy-washy place for us and then finally it kind of caught momentum and got legs for us and became this thing for us but i'm kind of curious if it was the same experience for y'all if there was like or if it just immediately started working it's like hey this this works let's keep keep well, going y'all had the experience at midwest white to where y'all like kind of had an idea of that business model and that it actually yeah. can work to well we, we knew had, well specific to youtube like the, yeah, yeah 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 the business stuff um 
you're right, yes and no. Um, we had a good understanding of how to produce content. Like we said yesterday, yeah. if that is what we're, you know, we were talking about our, our uh, strengths and weaknesses yesterday, that's our strength. Mm -hmm. we, because we spent so many years producing online content. Mm -hmm. So we knew how to do that. And, but we didn't know anything about the business side. So we just said, we'll just make as, you know, enough money to keep this thing floating and see where it goes. But to answer your question about right out of the gate, yes, we got, there was quite a few people that started watching, you know, we, so the YouTube was, traction happened pretty quick. Yeah. Right because, yeah, yeah, because of that following these guys have established, had established at Midwest Whitetail with the public land, you portion were of the public land too. Well, what, some, but I was still these guys. Well, I was still filming, <laughs> building, editing quite a bit. But yeah. yeah, anyway, so yeah, we obviously had this huge stepping stone going into it that a lot of people, maybe like you guys, may not have had. So we were extremely fortunate to to have that, you know, starting out. Yeah, a lot of people started watching out of the gate, and timing was just got lucky on that that we started this, you know, right at the beginning of fall when people are starting to look at deer stuff. And is this 2017 ish fall 2017? Right. Yeah, right. we just started posting in that first year we did public land video journal, private land video journal. Cause we had several buddies in the neighborhood that hunted private land on permission. And then, uh, a few other buddies that had small tracks of private land, like 40, 50 acres that hunted. And we're like, you know, that's the general public that hunts too. So we, we filmed hunts on private land, uh, you know, relatable type hunts like that. And then we filmed our public land hunts. The public land hunts were more popular than the private land stuff at the time. And for the most part, that's what our main group hunted was public land out of necessity. And I, when we moved up there, it was really, really freaking hard to find a place to hunt. Mm -hmm. And I was making, you know, not very much, uh, starting out. Not, I mean, not enough to lease a place or buy a yeah. place or anything like that. So yeah. we just hunted public land um, but anyway, that first year it started growing with those daily blogs. Um, are y'all like doing the thumbnails and the, and the, the, the titles at this point? Are y'all kind of, yeah, but we don't like, know nothing about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, it was pretty crude. Yeah. It was, <laughs> we don't know nothing. Yeah. That was a different were, time on YouTube though, too. Oh yeah. Like there, it just wasn't as saturated with hunting content and outdoor content as it is now. So I think it, yep. it was definitely a little bit easier to just post sup any hunting video. Oh, dude, our, oh, thumb, yeah. our thumbnails, we, we did the daily vlogs or whatever. Our thumbnails would be just a random static from that day screen grab that we would it. grab, yeah. and then we would put, yeah, he's private got, land blog or yeah, public private land. land blog or public land blog, and then we'd put the date on there. Yeah, same font, like on every yeah, single same one. Yeah, same font. It was real busy, and then yeah. we you know, the titles would be the same. It would be like November 2nd, public land blog, Zach gets his chance or something like that with all of this really cluttered stuff. Like, we had no idea about I think, I think maybe the attraction back then was was the fact that it was uh i think we were trying to do it you know turn around of you know next day like yeah. it, it was just really get it out the fresh door content yeah. So, yeah that's something that we're always trying to work on and I, I think it's cool that two totally different styles have worked because like getting content out for us like it takes a while and you get you guys <laughs> I, like i think that is definitely y'all strength i mean that y'all just just cranking it out where people can kind of ride along with almost in real time, like to follow along with it, it's which impressive. is cool. It's yeah. impressive how much content you guys get out uh, for people that haven't sat down and tried to edit a video. They don't understand how much work goes into that. Like, I think a lot of people think you just download, you dump the SD card and like press a few buttons on mm -hmm. the computer and it kind of like puts it together for you. Maybe nowadays with AI, yeah. that's going to happen, but yeah. <laughs> But it, I mean, it is literally like you're building a house from scratch piece by piece mm -hmm. and you guys are doing that in camp after hunting for, you know, weeks on end, you're not taking a nap. You're just sitting there and grinding on the computer and like you guys are editing, mm -hmm. which is, I mean, that's impressive that you guys have kept that up. I a think a lot of long nights, sleepless nights mm -hmm. yep. in 2017, there was for us, I know for y'all too, like there, all this is a timing deal. I think about this all the time. It's like, man, if, if we were too early or too late, I feel like things could totally have shaken out different for us. And like there was 2017, there was a wave that happened with hunting content. And I think us and y'all were part of that wave where it was mm -hmm. like it, hunting content on YouTube was getting popular. We were kind of the only ones putting it out there. And so it was just, you know, that's, that was kind of where the boom happened. I, I think if you were to start a channel today, it'd be 10 times more difficult 
to to get the momentum and, and build a following. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was like definitely a timing piece there. And, and I, for us, like I think about this a lot, there was almost no like genius strategy or forethought. It was like total just dumb luck timing that, you know, we were, we were doing stuff with Mossy Oak. We we're trying to do this, trying to do that. And then it just like stumbled into, well, we'll just, you know, try this one. Cause like, I think contrary to belief, like for Drew and I, it was, it was a struggle for years. I mean, the first, at least five years, it was like no money coming in, mm-hmm. you know, we're losing money from this thing. And like we, in 2017, we hit a place where we were like, I think we went to ATA and we're like, Hey, we, we, you know, you're trying to work with anybody that'll work with you. And it's like, we got to line up some sponsor dollars or we're done. Like we, yeah. we just can't do this anymore. Cause he was a full, he was working for a home builder full time. I was selling life insurance at the time and then doing some real estate stuff. But it was like, we can't do this anymore. And we kind of threw our hands up in the air and we're, we were basically dumb. We went to ATA. We're like, we got to get mm-hmm. some sponsor dollars where this makes sense. And we lined up zero dollars. <laughs> people you know and and it's just like we kind of were like all right last ditch effort let's just try this youtube thing and it was like a total timing deal again it wasn't like we had some grand master plan i just i look back at at a lot i'm like man we're pretty dang lucky (laughs) yeah no i think as far as like the youtube plan and like the overall like what 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 is this going to turn into we definitely didn't know what we were no way I think what we did have is like we had a vision for the content, just like you guys. Yeah. Our vision was probably a little different because we try to put out just like very little content, but try to like we enjoy doing the cinematic, just like mm, high quality high stuff. Yep. And we had the crazy stories of hunting in the suburban areas, and just thought like, yeah, we can we can probably make these videos. Like, I'll try to teach myself how to edit and you know get close to what some of these guys are doing. But as far as like where we're going to put that and what's going to happen with it and how we're going to actually make money doing this. It's like, I, oh, we I had no, no idea. Mm-hmm. We had no <laughs> and idea. And we knew nobody. Like, yeah. we had no contacts <laughs> whatsoever. We had a lot of contacts from the Midwest. You know, yeah. we worked in the industry for a while, so we had been to going to those shows and meeting people for a long time. We were two guys from but, the city that didn't, like, we didn't belong in this space at yeah. all. Yeah, that's what makes you guys' story really cool and really compelling is that, it, yeah, I mean, you really just started out with almost nothing. Whereas, like, we kind of had a, a little bit of a springboard and had those relationships and had been creating content for years, six, seven years. Yeah. So the money aspect of it though was I mean, we didn't we didn't really even know if we were if we had a business or anything. We just came up yeah. with the idea of the hunting public. It's like, look, the general public that hunts, the average person out there is severely underrepresented across hunting today. Like is in the media for sure. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're just it's not reality for 95% of the people that are watching, Mm -hmm. you know? So we're like, we'll just make something for them. And in the top line of our mission statement, that's what it says. It's like, we're going to make something for them and we're going to let the chips fall where they may after that. Um, And we'll see what happens. I mean, that was the thing. Like when, when we used to talk about public land hunting and sponsorships before, the hunting public even started it's like well you don't need any gear to go hunt public land so you don't need it you'd like <laughs> yeah. you don't really need an industry to support you because you don't use you know you don't have big box blinds you don't use a ton of trail cameras you don't have food plot seed and mm-hmm. all these things that are big companies in the industry so we didn't really have an we didn't really have a plan or a vision for the money side it was yeah. like uh but once we met Eric from Hush at ATA, mm-hmm. like we went to the ATA show after our first year in 17, and we pretty much just walked around um, and said hi to some people that we knew, you know, and there was nothing that came from it really other than meeting Eric. I feel like that was our experience today. We were like, hey, we're, you know, Lee Drew, you want to work with us? No? Yeah, okay. All right. The, well. Here's the <laughs> yeah. two city boys that are <laughs> yeah. here. Like, here's oh, our God. DVDs. <laughs> here's our mixtape. Yeah. Let us know what you think. <laughs> so, so Eric Chester, is kind of, that conversation was kind of what yeah, we went. We were off. We were over at the Hoyt booth uh, because we were uh, friends with Jeremy Eldridge, who still works at Hoyt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we were talking with him a little bit, and we weren't 
like pitching him for sponsorship really we were basically just saying like we were going to him for advice like look mm-hmm. jeremy this is what we've done thus far um just be just where does where what do companies look for what do what makes sense for companies in the business and like we don't even know like what you guys pay for really we don't know if there's a certain number of views if any of this stuff like we just basically went to him to have a conversation and learn like what are some of your good partnerships right now that you've got going on and how do those how do those operate mm-hmm. you know what do these guys do for do for you guys and what do y'all do for them um and he was real helpful and all that and like super supportive of us you know and what we were doing because he he watched the content and enjoyed it uh so just having conversations with him at ATA was beneficial and then we were leaving the, uh their booth after talk with him i just appreciate that he he took time out of his day yeah. and he's busy at mm-hmm. that show he took time out of his day to talk with us. Yeah, he was actually just, one of the first ones that we talked to as well. Yeah, probably yeah. At like that same show that you're. Yeah, it definitely was. Jeremy's a really good dude. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, at the, at that time, he knew that we were we just launched some videos and we didn't have a following or anything like that, and he he knew I wasn't going to him to ask for money. Mm-hmm. We we're just going there to learn, learn, mm-hmm. and so that was real helpful talking with him. And then as we were leaving, Eric was standing there. And I recognized him from YouTube in the Hushin channel. And he was just standing there on his phone hanging out. And uh, I was like, dude, what's up? We watched you on YouTube. And we're like, we just started a channel like six months ago. And he's like, all oh, right on. And he started visiting with us. He's the friendliest guy ever. Yeah. And I'm looking around and I'm like, uh, what, are you, what are you doing here? He's like, probably the same thing you guys are doing. I'm just trying to figure out what this whole deal is even about. <laughs> he's like, he's not there necessarily trying to get sponsors or anything. He's like, I haven't been here in, ever. So he just had a backpack on and we started visiting. And just talking with him and learning about YouTube and vlog content at the time and thumbnails and understanding the YouTube algorithm, like leaving that conversation we our wheels started turning a lot mm-hmm. you know between talking with him and jeremy about what was really working today and what people what what viewers were finding value in we left that show and we're like we got to adapt our production style a little bit yeah and we got to make some of these things we got to change what we're doing a little bit and we did that going into that first turkey tour and after that first turkey tour things really went yeah. nuts so hushin mm-hmm. i guess hushin was like the first yep hunting youtube channel yeah do you know when they started i think it's appropriate to mention that we're sitting in eric chester's garage right now right. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't even said that yet but there's giant elk all over the place yep a lot of mule deer sheds everywhere uh casey told us all the story yesterday and i don't remember that i don't remember every detail that i've, I've he's told it a couple he times started back like in 12 or 13 it was yeah. kind of like family yeah. style vlogging and Yep. Casey doing it himself, and then he just got yeah, just getting into YouTube, yeah. not even hunting. Just I mean, he, he was in, in it like before he saw something there before really. Oh yeah, anybody else saw yeah. it. Yeah, yep, yep. And then he created Get Hushin, and then partnered up with Eric and BMAC, mm-hmm. and they started this deal. Yeah. And at the time, I was we were sitting there in the booth. I remember talking to Jeremy, and he's like, "What you guys are doing is really cool." He's like, "Have you talked to the guys from Hushin?" Because he said, most of the people in this whole industry don't know about them, but what they're doing is really freaking cool, and it's kind of similar to what you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. And we're like, no, we haven't. And then we stood up and walked 10 feet and like, oh, <laughs> hey, Eric, there's <laughs> the guy from us. <laughs> so we That's started cool. talking with him, and like I said, he was super helpful. Yeah. And it was so weird because we had worked for TV shows and stuff before that, and everything is always super competitive in the industry between shows and like not a lot of collaboration. None of that stuff really ever happened. So to, to run into this dude that, I mean, is, is essentially in some ways your competitor on YouTube and he's just like your buddy all of a sudden, and you're just sharing information back and forth and helping each other out. It was really refreshing. Yeah. Because no, that, that, that what that wasn't what happened you before. Don't, you don't see that really anywhere else. And that's that's like the first thing that I noticed. I started talking to Brian maybe last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and like immediately he's sharing like contacts and just like numbers and all sorts of stuff that 
I would un- I would feel somewhat uncomfortable just sharing with somebody, especially someone mm-hmm. that's essentially a competitor. I mean, they're almost all their contents on the out west, like right. mule deer and elk. So it's not really a competition, but it's they're still... doing it. They're just doing it to help you. Yeah, it's like it's... it's it's so clear at that moment when we were talking to Eric. It's like. He doesn't have an angle here. No. Yeah. There's nothing here. And there's everybody in that building's got an angle. It's such That's what a I was about cutthroat say, yeah. industry yeah. and cutthroat event that it that that en- encounter with Eric and then the years following, you know, talking with the Hush guys, talking with the bro guys, talking with you guys and like what we're doing here now, like the collaboration among the YouTube community is is really cool and really refreshing. It's a super cool thing and, and like, you know, us diving into this industry, like there are snakes out there. I mean, we we've there isn't that. any industry. Yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah, it's not specific to hunting. That's just yeah. any industry across the board. But like us not knowing this place at all, like we kind of had to navigate a little bit and figure out kind of where we fall. But yeah, it is. It has been super cool to like sort of figure out who the who you jive with and like who's got good intentions and mm-hmm. who's not working angles and things like that. And it's it's just been really cool to like kind of have that sense of brotherhood or bond that just kind of you know has brought us all together. Mm-hmm. But going back to uh, like I guess where the hunting industry was at the time, and, and we talked about this yesterday a little bit, it was that uh, it got to that place where I feel like it was that rock star, like just let's just kill, 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 go, let's go to the mm-hmm. next place and kill. And it's you know mostly outfitters. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with outfitters. I have nothing opposed, not, nothing against that at all. But it's just not as relatable to to your point to your average right. guys. And I don't really think there was those average guy, you know, outlets out there that, or programs that were super relatable. And I feel like that's what probably made us successful. And I say us as in everyone in this room mm. in that 2017 wave of people wanting to watch more and, and buying into the brand is that the relatability there, you guys were doing it on kind of one end of the spectrum of hunting public land where, you know, most people don't have big leases or own a bunch of land and that's like their only way to to get out and go hunt is accessing public lands well kind of or, the t- or they access via permission which is what you guys do right mm-hmm. and kind of on the the other hand is is right the the permission side of things and we talked about this yesterday that like we started in the urban game just because that's where we were from i mean we just mm-hmm. dealing with the cards we were dealt and just trying to do the best we could with it and the suburban thing was kind of what we became known for, but what we really want to be known for more is like just the permission, the door knocking, because I don't care if I'm trying to get one acre or if it's a thousand acres, like Mm -hmm. we want it all. We want to try and hunt anywhere we can. And so there's no, like, we're not trying to pigeonhole ourselves to the suburban stuff so much, but I just think that like, and, and we may not have even realized it at the time, how relatable that was to people or even just open their eyes to being like, man, I, my aunt Susie's got five acres that backs up to a Creek. Mm-hmm. I need to put a camera back there or I need to see if she'll let me hunt. And it's just yeah. like, all of a sudden you're, you're getting this large group of people that are now door knocking and it's this thing. And it's, it's just because it was relatable. It was, it was accessible to anybody that had a car or even a bike to ride to the yeah. neighbor's house, you know? Um, and I think that like, although our brands are, are, are on very opposite ends of the spectrum, that kind of, we have that in the core that is just what makes it relatable to, to people, whether it's, you know, Hey, I got, I got some public that I can get access to. Let's start studying this place and scouting it. Or it's like, Hey, you know, Aunt Susie's got five acres, you know, maybe I can talk to my uncle Jeff and see Mm -hmm. if he'll let us hunt too. And it's like all of a sudden, you know, that was kind of our deal was like, we're from the city. I don't have a hunting background. I didn't grow up in a hunting family, but all of a sudden you knock on that door and that door has been open to you. And it's like, man, I'm in the hunting world now. Like I love this. And you know, so I just think that the relatability, there was a big change that happened in the hunting industry where, you know, people kind of looked at those guys like, like rock stars, but it really just, it's not realistic. And so that well, the change, TV, the TV model also kind of created that for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, well, you we were talking about that yesterday about how expensive it was to get involved in TV and how, you know, those episodes have to be 22 minutes and they have to run ads at certain times, and the network like required you 
to kill so many animals. Mm-hmm. That was you know. that was new to me. I hadn't heard that before. I hadn't yeah. either. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that. I'm not sure what network it was, but uh, but yeah. Anyways, the, the, there had to be a certain number of kills in a season, probably. You couldn't go so many episodes without a kill. Yeah, and I'm just I'm paraphrasing whatever Randy Newberg was talking about at the time. I mean, we were this this conversation goes back a few years ago, and we were talking to Randy about it because he comes from the TV world, and then he eventually transitioned into the YouTube stuff. But it's so different. It's so different. I mean, I we sat in meetings, you know, uh, years ago, back in you know thirteen, fourteen, fifteen with some big brands in the hunting industry when I was working at Midwest Whitetail and that's what they were, they were talking about their own content, you know, and they're like, man, we gotta, we, we have to have so many numbers of kills or whatever to maintain attention. It's like, that ain't what we're saying. Like we're making these video blogs on this website and, we don't kill nothing for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. And people, yeah, people love I think it. There was, <laughs> there was a shift. Yeah. There was a definite shift there, you know, talking about where, how, where things were at in the industry. Like it, it was all about the kill. It was all about the size of the deer. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, with Midwest Whitetail, it was, it was the story. You know, you, you played out the story throughout the course of the season and we did it in a fashion where it was weekly or it got to the point where it was daily, you know, creating these daily blogs, mm-hmm. at least for Bill's hunts. And people loved that, loved following the journey. When we first got into it and like our style was telling the stories, yep. we had a guy that was like, you know, an industry guy. He's come up to, he's like, guys, y'all, y'all aren't going to make it unless y'all just kill. He's like, oh, you just kill, kill, kill. It's, it's all about kills. Put them down. And we were like, eh, I don't think we can do that. Yeah. And we don't really want to. Cause like we wanted, our passion was driven from like these stories about a specific mm-hmm. deer, not just, you know. Oh, here, just smoke him. He's dead. You know, go to the yeah. next one. And go, it was go to Africa and shoot twenty five animals. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, there was, uh, and and to me, like, I think that's why it's still so exciting and fresh for us. Like, we're not burnt out, and I, mm-hmm. I think that it's easy to get burnt out with just how hard we can go at this thing. But the passion for you know pursuing these deer like has not yeah. let up at all. Yeah, and so it's all super fresh on our end. I know Drew's focus is, he's more shifting to Western stuff now because that's where his heart and his passion is. And I'm, you know, I know that his fire's burning pretty hot on that. Mine is going to new, new States and new cities and, you know, doing more door knocking and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But I'll, I'll get into this Western stuff someday, but right now it's extremely foreign to me, but what, what is, what is y'all's favorite hunting style? Like, is it, like what's y'all's favorite hunting deal? Is it like you want to pursue a whitetail, pursue an elk, pursue a mule deer, turkey? Like what, what would you say if you kind of had to choose one thing to go with? Elk. I love bow hunting elk in the rut. I just don't get to do it that often. And I think that relates to the reality that most folks are in that Mm -hmm. don't live out here. It's like when you're out East or in the Midwest or something, you kind of dream of an elk hunt, but it's sort of this thing that's, it's not it's not unattainable it is attainable but it's just sort of this thing that you're working towards for several years at a time Mm -hmm. it's like you're planning years ahead like i was talking to Derek jones the other day he's a buddy of ours from kansas and he's been thinking about going elk hunting for like 10 years he's never went um but he's got points banked and things like that and he's he's got little kids at home so he's trying to make sure the timing is perfect in his life where his kids are just old enough where he can leave for, you know, two weeks and really go enjoy that experience. So elk is number one for me, but I'd say as a group, we love turkey hunting. Yeah. I mean, it's we probably, all, probably the most fun. Yeah. And we love bow hunting whitetails too, but I mean, it's hard. Yeah. It's, it and be, it's a it grind, man. You can, mm-hmm. sometimes it feels like with turkeys, you can get mad at them with a, you know, your buddies and go out there and you can make and something make it happen. happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But with deer, it's like, man, you, even with elk effort kills elk. Yeah. Effort kills turkeys. Like that's how they measure hunter success across the board. All these different agencies, like how many days per hunter, you know, it's like this state takes eight days on average for a hunter to get a bird or this state, this area takes nine days or whatever. Elk's similar in my mind. It's like effort, which effort is also with whitetails, but there's so much that is 
left to luck and things with deer for sure because you can't hear them you don't know exactly where they're at right you're just thinking that they're right here and you're betting that they're right here today but you don't know you're you're making an educated guess essentially over yeah and over. The, the mind games with whitetails brutal yeah because it's like yeah you, you think he's going to do one thing the mental it doesn't struggle happen it's like the... did i blow the whole thing is he on to us mm. you know like it, yeah it's it's psychologically it's brutal i but, think you look back at like across our turkey tours, I don't know that we've ever had like a, a bad season. Usually no. there's a certain amount of success. Like you said, you put in the effort, you can you can attain a certain amount of success and keeps it fun, keeps it moving. With deer season, we've had some bad deer seasons we've had where some, things just did not go well. Man, we've had some that were just awesome where everything fell into place and everybody had a lot of success. And then we've had other years like Greg's talking about that were just like, man, we cannot catch a break. Nothing seems to like, go right. Yeah, it was like in 2020, it's we could almost do no wrong. Like mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. awesome hunts, awesome footage, lots of success. And then the next year, very next year, coming off of that high, it's like it was our worst season ever. Yep. It's like you could do no right. I'm a little worried about that because I'm, I'm coming off of a high of a season. Yeah. And now I'm like the pressure to try and replicate that. It's like, man, that's not – that's not realistic. You said mm-hmm. that like three years in a row and it just keeps. <laughs> I know, but, <laughs> but like there, yeah, I mean, white tails are tough. It's like, you know, I think about this a lot too. It's like a lot of things went for me right last year, but small little details, if those didn't happen, my season last year looks totally different. Mm-hmm. And I look at it into this coming season too. I'm like, man, it, sometimes success is just, you know, in Razor the degree. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, this year could be one of those years where it's just last year, everything went right. This could be one of these where everything goes wrong. And, uh, I mean, I think about that a lot. And so we went on a duck hunt this year with like some of the duck dynasty guys and man, it was fun Mm. to just like, Oh yeah. Not stress out about, you know, pursuing a specific animal. It was just like, we're just duck hunting. Yeah. And same with, same with turkeys. Like, you know, we went out West for our first time this year, turkey hunting, um, and it was just fun. Just like, just go, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you buggered that one up. We'll go find another one and just kind of just, just go. And it's, it's, it's fun to, um, not stress out so much about, you know, the whitetail side is just extremely stressful. The, the, the duck and the turkey stuff for, for us is, it was really fun. Just like a, a fun change of mm-hmm. pace to just go hunt with your buddies and, you know, not, not be so serious. Mm-hmm. You know, going back yeah. to what you're saying about having to get kills, on the shows, like in the TV days, I, that, that just sounds stressful to me. Like if you're, yeah. if your yeah. job is to go out there and you have to kill an animal, it, and this style that you're talking about that got brought about in like 17 and 18, um, that was the nice thing about it was we didn't feel that stress. It's like we are mm-hmm. confident in our editing abilities to get these videos out and our video, in our storytelling abilities. But, we didn't feel as much stress to kill stuff because it's like, no, people really like the fact that we're going out there and we're getting our butts kicked. Yeah, it's like, real. And it's real. So we just kind of got back to the basics of woodsmanship and hunting, which felt awesome at the time. It's like we didn't have to worry about, yeah, you know, the killing one. And you guys, when you hunt these specific deer, it's people now see that it takes, but in the way that you guys tell these stories, like you don't just walk out there and kill him. Like it takes you years sometimes of building things and scouting and hunting day after day after day and running cameras, you know. And it's it's and it's tricky how you have to articulate that on camera because it's like if if that's not displayed well in an episode or it's not captured on camera, people get a wrong perception of like, you know, oh well, he just kind of got a spot. Here's the deer. Walk out there, kill it. Especially in the, mm-hmm. in the urban stuff because yeah. it already has that connotation of being. Easy, easy, deer. yeah, right. Like, yeah, there's yep. in people's front yards and right. stuff. And but it's like if if we were to capture all of the time it went that went into all this stuff, it, it'd be the most boring episode you've ever watched <laughs> in your entire life. It'd be driving in trucks, hopping, yeah, yeah, you know, putting cameras, just just door knocking and putting mm-hmm. cameras out and do it just all day long, all day long, and it'd be just so boring. So we we try to sprinkle in like you know at least showing a little bit of behind the scenes that there's more to it than just you know, kind of this moment mm. of connecting with a whitetail and that, like we just did a, a scouting episode that hasn't come out yet, but it's, you know, basically just me door knocking going up through five States and it ended up being like a really good episode. We found some pretty big deer, but the 
point of that was just to show more behind the scenes of like the yeah. real, the realism of, you know, this is what it takes to kind of get spots and get in these places and even have a chance at some of these deer. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure the behind the scenes of that would be hilarious too. Like some of the interactions that you guys have had with people over the years, you could probably, oh man, the episodes you could create yeah. if you had that on camera or if you could show it would be Did you mic incredible. Up any of the, any no, of no, we didn't. But what I, what I really want to start doing is, is, uh, and I, this, this would have been so gold. There's so many conversations that have happened door knocking over the years where you're just like, I wish I had that recorded. Yeah. Yeah. One in particular was I actually had a mic on cause we were just kind of testing out like recording a conversation and uh-huh. maybe something funny will happen. And my buddy was, was in the car and he just had it recording and he could still hear the audio. Right. Well, after the, you know, the door knock or whatever, he just kind of hit or he just wasn't recording anymore. And this guy, it was the most, it was so perfect. This guy, like, you know, I, I kind of went through my pitch, gave him the ask. This dude flips out <laughs> and he's like, he's like, what's your name? I'm, I'm calling the cops right now. I said, my name's Mike. <laughs> he said, Mike, what? I said, Mike Honcho. Like, Mike, I'm writing that down, Mike Honcho. I'm calling the cops on you. And I, in my head, I was like, please, please say we got this audio. Yeah. Y'all yeah. know what Mike Honcho oh, yeah. is? Yeah. Talladega Nights. Yep, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I was just like, man, this is going to be gold. But there are so many conversations. That is conversations. such a Lee thing to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many different names do you have? A bunch. <laughs> I, 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 when you saw yeah. that it was going to go south and that there was no chance for this, you just went ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we've gotten to that point where it's like we know how the conversation is going to go. And it's kind of fun to not like push buttons, but just kind of make it fun sometimes. Because yeah. some of these things that these landowners – the ways that they think and the things mm-hmm. that they say are just so ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what? People like you actually do exist. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm talking to one right now. Like, I've heard about people <laughs> like you, but this is. <laughs> That's like, hilarious. How do you That's... actually think this way. <laughs> yeah. What, I'm not, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm not sure what the uh, legalities are, like filming people, but like, if you had a digital recorder on you that's rolling yeah. all the time, but you had even a GoPro or something. Like, we had a hilarious encounter in Maine. Oh, yeah. And I was. The guy was flipping out. He had a sawzall so, in his hand. So I just, I'm, I'm in the Did vehicle. Did y'all do an episode on that? Yeah. yeah. I, I it, saw it, that one. Yeah, it's actually a, probably one of our highest viewed turkey videos. But like I was just filming with my phone in the vehicle. Like I didn't want to have the big camera yeah. up because those guy's flipping out. But I'm like just, <laughs> <laughs> got to get this. Yeah, <laughs> at least. one of those situations where like I know you guys have run into this sometimes where everything's going south fast. This guy really pissed. He's calling the cops. Like, there's no way I'm getting hunting permission here. I just want to get out of here, you know, without getting yeah. it hassled anymore. And then all of a sudden, you get permission somehow. It's like <laughs> I've had those. That's exactly yeah, I've what had happened. Those. Yeah, that's hilarious. Because he would, he wasn't even the landowner. Oh, really? Yeah, the thumbnail yeah. was great. It's Aaron standing there, the guy like with his hand raised, with the saws on his hand, and this old lady standing there. <laughs> yeah, and it's the, old, the lady, old lady who gave him permission. Yeah, the old lady on the property. ground, and she didn't say anything. She's just over there smiling. <laughs> And she's like, oh, yeah, sunny. And then y'all went out and killed the turkey, right? Yeah. Yeah, half hour later. Yeah, I watched yeah. that one. I, I had a lady that uh, threatened to kill me <laughs> and then gave, ended up giving me permission. <laughs> because sometimes you got to call people Holy out on their God. BS. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like I'm, I'm just, you know, I think that's a part of what we do that's cool is like we're also educating people that have never inter- interacted with a hunter every day, you know, dozens of people. And nine times out of ten, it's a very pleasant experience. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think that people have a very different, that that are not from the hunting world, that don't get it. They just have a very different picture of what a hunter may look like. They, I think they look at us like barbarians sometimes. We're just out there to murder animals. That's not the case. Once they realize that you have good intentions and that you're respectful and you're not, like you're asking for permission, you're not just going to go and ruin their property or do something nefarious. Once they realize that, then they open up a little bit more. Yeah, I'll point that out. I'm like, look, I could have just gone on your property and not ask like i'm doing this the right way like i would never set foot on your property without permission that's why i'm having the conversation with you i hope you understand that that's like my intention here but this lady was like um you know she she was like if you and she in her mind when i'm talking about deer hunting she thinks i'm out there to shoot like the fawns and bambi Mm, and all this stuff and uh, she was like, if I, find, if I see you back there, like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to sh- pull out my gun and I'm going to kill you. And I was like, I called her on her BS. I was like, hold on a second. You're going to kill me because I'm deer hunting. I was like, and that's when I said, I'm asking permission. I'm not going to go on your property without your permission. That's why you're not going to see me back there. But I said, 
you just said you're going to kill me. Mm-hmm. I was like, what are you going to tell my parents, my mom and my dad? And then I, th- that's when it hit her in the gut. She was like, okay, I guess I was a little out of line. She's like, let's talk about this. And that's when we got into it. She got a better understanding of what I was actually asking. It wasn't just this emotional, just outburst mm-hmm. back and ended up getting permission there. So that's I've wild. also, but I've also had, um, I, I got shed hunting permission at this place. I'd never asked for hunting permission, but I did have a guy pull a gun on me. Um, and I didn't see it at the time, but he was behind a, the you know door and kind of glass or window right next to the door. And he was like, he called the cops and the cops came out there. And that's how I found out about this story was he said he, uh, that I went up and knocked on the door and he was like, you were looking all sketchy. And I was like, sir, I'm in jeans and a collared shirt. It's a Sunday <laughs> afternoon. I look like I probably just got out of church. I was like, I'm basically a neighbor. And, I, and I'm like, you were, he said he had the gun pointed at me. He was shaking his fingers on the trigger and he couldn't make up his mind whether or not he was going to pull the trigger right then and there. Holy cow. And I did the same thing. Like, you know, what, what if I was a neighbor that was locked out of my house and I needed some help or something like that? And just anyways, he ended up letting me shed hunt there and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's kind of the, the, um, scary part of door knocking. Sure. And, and I, I've had those gut feelings where I'm like, we're no. turning around. People, we're not yeah. this door. People yeah. are more and more removed nowadays than they For were sure. 25 years ago from social interaction, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, because of phones and everything else and whatever, you know, they just, they live in their houses and they don't, they don't have that as much. Whereas back when we were kids, you'd walk up to the neighbors anytime. No mm-hmm. big deal. Everybody mm-hmm. kind of expected that. But now that everybody's connected through digitally, the worst they thing, they don't have to communicate face to face as much anymore. And, the I worst thing that's ever hard. happened to door knocking is ring doorbells. Yeah. And to your point, hmm. they're sitting there looking on their phone being like, you know, who's that guy? I'm not even coming to the door. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't ever, I don't ever ring. Like if I don't ever push the ring doorbell, I still just knock on the door. Yeah. Most of the times they'll actually still answer. But, um, so what have you kept track of either on paper or mentally? Like what, what is your percentage of yeses to nos? I, and I'm I mean, sure it varies by region too. Some regions are different and tough. Like it's, it's weird. Like some of the Northern States that we've gone to, they don't care about deer mm-hmm. at all. Like these people just don't care. And, and sometimes they've been like, I'll ask the question, you know, Oh, do you, do you see like any, any bucks running around? Like, yeah. Yeah. We, you know, we see, you know, some good, good deer, some decent ones. And then, like, they'll show me a picture on their phone of one that, like, ran across their backyard, and it's, like, a humongous deer, and they just have no idea. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know. It just it, it, it depends. Like, some areas are definitely tougher than others, but, I mean, I would say early on we were getting heavily, heavily rejected. I mean, if what would you say if we knocked on 100 doors? I mean, this is back in the day when our it's, we were probably 15, and our parents are driving us around and dropping us off at – in a neighborhood yeah. going door to door. But I don't know, maybe like 2%. Really? Yeah. Two out of a hundred. When like we that. first started. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we're like a kid. We're kids. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't let us a, either. A kid knocking on my door now. <laughs> yeah. And being like, yeah, sure. Go ahead and go shoot. Yeah. Back there. Right. And I'd like no hunting. It still would be uncomfortable. And there's no, we had no storyline at the time. It was yeah. like, Hey, we, we don't hunt, but we're trying to hunt here. It's our first time, like, kind of getting in the, mm-hmm. you know, so, yeah, it was. It took two, I think it took me two years to get that first spot mm-hmm. that we had. Like, I, the first time I, it was the first time I, I had ever asked someone for permission. I had no idea what to say. And she, she was just like, I, I don't know, just like, come back later, maybe. I need to talk to my husband. And so I ended up coming back, like, two more times and, like, a year later. And she, I think she finally just got annoyed with it. And she's like, okay, fine, whatever. Like go down there, ended up killing seven bucks over one. Yeah, that place. Worth it. There you go. Yeah. The amount of times I've heard the words "Let me talk to my husband." Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or I'll call you back. My nephew hunts here. Yeah, just never. You never hear back from those people. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious to hear and kind of shifting topics here, um, because you know, it doesn't matter 
like what industry or, or what you do, like when you're putting yourself out there, especially on social media in, in this day and age, you're going to get hate. And we can read 99 amazing comments and get that one comment that just eats at you. And we get it a lot. We, we probably have two or three main uh, like hateful categories that we get just for putting, I mean, it's just, again, it doesn't matter what it is, like any industry, if you're putting yourself out there, even if you're doing the most amazing things for people, you're going to get those, those dudes that leave those comments. I'm curious to hear like what are maybe the top two or three like categories that y'all get flack on. And we'll also tell you ours too, and just see if there's any kind of, you know, similarity there, but, uh, probably the arrows and the broadhead stuff the most. I would say, but going back to it a little bit, we don't really, we don't pay attention to the majority of them. I mean, if there's, if there's somebody that, that watches the show and that sends us a message and they have some criticism of us that's constructive and they're like respectful about it and they say, look guys, I liked y'all, but I've seen you doing this a bunch and I'm not a big fan of that for these reasons we engage with those people and talk to them because we want to improve. Mm -hmm. We want to get better. So we actually like to hear criticism from our viewers. You know, um, 99.9% of it is positive, like you said. But the ones that are just flat-out hateful, there's nothing we can do. Like if they they say, man, we, you guys, they they gripe at us for shooting small deer. I was going to say that was, that'd be one category is shooting small deer. Yeah. According to people's standards. Yeah. Some of those people we've, you know, there's, and I can think of like their, their usernames on YouTube. Like you engage with them a little bit, kind of give them a bad time back or something. And then they, they come around like, you don't see hateful messages yeah. from them like, going oh, forward. They actually, they actually you responded actually, to me. They wanted, yeah. you yeah. actually get people to come around. Sometimes. Vegas, yes. Vegas 23, whoever that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He really hates that we shoot, that we, that he's like, you guys need to understand what scoring is and how to do it. That's it's, you don't. Yeah, that's yeah. not a shooter buck. Like in all caps, that is not a shooter it's not buck. Not a shooter oh buck. It's like, sorry, man, we don't measure them and we don't care. <laughs> um, there you go. Like that's the end of the conversation. We had one guy jurist. Years jurist, ago. yes, he that's was the guy on kind us of for uh, like every video he would comment and he was flustered about something. But I it was always we negative. It was always negative. But it's like, man, you're watching every single video. Yeah. So I we. Think, Go ahead. We eventually like messaged him back, or he emailed us, or something. Well, yeah, we might have done that, but like in a video, we like just said his name. Like we like we just said it? we love you, Juris. yeah, we love you, Juris. Like it was <laughs> yeah. probably a deer that was, or we did something that we figured he was going to give us grief for. So we just said, you know, yeah, Juris, if it, you're watching, man, we love you. We yeah, something like that. And then from yeah. from then on, like it was it was oh, positive he, comments. He emailed us. I finally got. I was talking to him in the comments yeah. a little bit. Um, and it, I was like, here's our email, man. Shoot us an email. You got ideas? Let's bounce, bounce them off us. So he started emailing us back and forth. And within like three or four email exchanges, he was like, you know what? You guys are all right. (laughs) It's like, dude, you just had to get to know us a little bit. We're not, you know, the, the biggest things though, are probably the arrow in the broadhead debate. There's a, that is a very charged up thing. And what people don't realize is like, we really don't care. I mean, (laughs) We don't care what you shoot. We're yeah, not yeah. telling you that you have to shoot this to be successful. Like we're telling you what our experiences have been and our interpretation of those experiences. It's no different than you sitting around deer camp with your buddies having the discussion. Like we're not telling you what you have to shoot. But anyway, people give us grief about arrows and broadheads and small deer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and we've gotten the occasional bit of hatred from people that say that we're ruining their public land. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't get that. I mean, it's, it's we, rare we, that we get it. We've ruined suburban hunting too. So yeah, yeah and, we're on the same page with you there. Yeah. Will Primos. I think I told you guys this last night, maybe when we were sitting around the campfire, Will Primos gave us some good advice a few years ago. And he just basically said, you know, you criticism is important. You need to listen to criticism. But if the source is not credible, if there's somebody that literally hates on everybody and they're constantly negative about things, It's like, just let it go. Mm -hmm. Just move on. If you get your viewers that are unhappy with you 
about stuff that have watched you and they feel betrayed for some reason, or Mm -hmm. if you get criticism consistently on one specific topic and there's some merit there, he's like, then look at it and look in the mirror. It's like, we're not, nobody's perfect. So that's, I think people forget the fact that we're just people like, just Mm -hmm. like those dudes, whatever, whoever's leaving that comment, we're the same. We're just dudes. Yeah. You know, it's like they kind of, I guess, have a different, you know, vision for you in their head of like that you must be X, Y, and Z. But it's like, dude, at the end of the day, we make mistakes just like anybody else. And we're not the Mm -hmm. best hunters in the world. We're just some of the hunters that made content and happen to get a big following. That's what we tell people. There's thousands of hunters that are way better than us. All the time. It's like, man, (laughs) you guys are great hunters. Like, no, we are good at Filming and editing hunts. Yeah, exactly. And we like, which and we gives love us the opportunity to hunt, to hunt mm. a lot. We love to hunt. <laughs> yeah. We absolutely love it. But I, yeah, we are not great hunters. Mm-hmm. We're just dudes that spend a lot of time out there, and we're good at editing videos. And you don't pretend to be like that, like you just said with the mm-hmm. arrows. Like you're not telling people that your opinion is the best opinion because you have the most experience or something. No, we're on this like journey it, with them. Like yeah. we're mm-hmm. trying to figure these things out. We're trying to learn more about these things. Yeah, all the time. And in, in our are, I'm, I get excited about just learning about these topics, and we want to tell people what we're learning. I think that's fun that's, for most people, especially with the all style of content where you're posting so much. The power of that, in my mind, is like you get people that watch every single video, and they feel like they're on that journey with you. Mm-hmm. They're, they feel like they're on the hunt with you, but they also feel like they're growing the business with you almost. Like they're kind of riding along y'all's journey. The pro- and so, it's like, they, like you just said, it's almost like they're with you around the campfire at hunt camp discussing like, hey, I had this experience with the heavy arrow and I blew right through this deer. Like, that's pretty cool. Maybe I'll keep messing with that and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the problem with social media is that you do, we do have the consistent people that follow us and that they, the people that watch all our videos know, know us. I mean, mm-hmm. I may have never met them, yeah, but they know us or at least, at least they feel like they do. And we're... We're not. We're pretty authentic in yeah, the right. videos. You're so like real. we're 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 exactly the same in the videos as yeah. we are face to face, and people realize that after they watch a certain amount of videos. The problem with social media is that one clip will get popped off here, or one clip will get mm-hmm. popped off here, and then somebody that's not familiar with us will see it, and they'll have they'll, no context. They have all. no mm-hmm. context of what's going on. They just heard a soundbite from somebody that just hates our guts and everybody else's guts for whatever reason. They just have a lot of hatred in their heart and they put this one little item out there about us and then try to craft this narrative about, Oh, these guys are just out for money and they're out for fame and they don't care about deer. And Mm, it's like, dude, all the people that watch all of our videos that know us know that that's not true. We know it's not true. Um, and that jurist guy, that's all we basically said was like, dude, just get to know us a little bit. Like don't make a judgment on us based on some, you know, three second soundbite or some little bitty thing that's taken out of context, you shouldn't make a judgment on, in my opinion, you shouldn't make a judgment on any human being for that. Yeah. Like you need to, you need to get to know them. It's no different than your door knocking examples. It's like, once you start to engage with people, they may be a little bit apprehensive at first because they have these assumptions about you. But then once you are honest and transparent with them and they realize like, Oh, this is just another regular ass human like me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I wish I could Dude. just like drink a beer with some of these yes. people. It's just like you to understand that we're just normal dudes. Like we're not, you know, we don't think we're not egotistical. We don't think, you know, we're the best of all. It's just like, we're normal guys. I remember like we have people that watch us and they're like, I'm sure y'all do too, but they are trying. Cause we talked about this a little bit yesterday. They're trying to find like some, anything, for y'all to slip up on like, Oh, you know, mm-hmm. I caught him doing this. I remember last year and I, we were talking about this stuff last night. I, I didn't want to tell you this cause I was going to save it for today, but like I killed a deer in Kentucky last year. And before that trip, I'd killed a doe and loaded her up in my truck and had some blood from her that was on the tailgate and was dried. So we go to Kentucky, we end up killing a deer. We're dragging it out or we back the truck up like we're going to go look and there's that dried blood stain. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we go find the deer and drag them up. And people are this, a couple of guys were like, I'm f- fully convinced this is all staged. It's all fake. You can see at this bit in the video, there's already blood going down the tail. They've already found that deer and everything's staged. And I'm mm-hmm. like, man, that was from a deer I killed <laughs> like a week ago. 
And so it's just like, it's crazy how under the microscope we kind of oh, all yeah. are. And it's like people fabricate these things, these storylines in their head of like, aha, see, I told you they were like this. And it's like, man, no, like that's completely out of context. Like, you know, we can only show so much in a video. You're only getting a sn- snippets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember uh, when I had luck in Ohio last year, I, I was extremely emotional. I had a lot of just turmoil going on in, in my life personally at the time. And I was like just in tears, like emotional. I was, I said, uh, you know, I just had a lot going on in my life and it was just a, like a, a very meaningful moment for me. And like, there was one guy that was like, and it's, it's sad that I still remember this above all the other great comments mm-hmm. that was like, man, you hunt for a living. Like, yeah, you got a lot on your plate. How tough is life can be? Like, you know, you hunt for a living. Like, doesn't know. It's like, man, just because we do this, we're not exempt from the things that happen to, to people on a daily basis. Nobody is. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you, you know, people look at guys like Donald Trump and Joe Biden and make assumptions. I do. Yeah. But they're in some way, shape, or fashion, there's a human there. Yeah. <laughs> like that's got that's got families and other concerns other than what you're just seeing. Yeah. Like every single human does. Yeah. I mean, it's just that's the part of what we are. So people are just, that goes back to the credibility thing that Will was telling us about. It's like, if it's just made out of hatred, there's nothing credible nothing there. That, they're not, either. it's not yeah. like they're a journalist that's trying to look at this objectively, like an investigative journalist where they're, you know, interviewing parties on all sides and trying to gather all this data, you know, to understand how something is going on. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. Yeah. They just have these predetermined assumptions and they have confirmation bias or whatever, cognitive bias in how they analyze these things and how they analyze you. To your point, I've actually really enjoyed the constructive criticism. The the, yeah. the good points that is constructive criticism, mm-hmm. like I'll take the time to read those and respond to those because I genuinely like appreciate people's feedback and we're not always going to get it right. So like, you know, the, the viewer feedback is extremely important and we have changed things based on viewer feedback and comments and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. We it's got like, families a couple of times that have said like where we dropped a cuss word in a video, yeah. either just by oversight or, I mean, when we're, when we're out there, I cuss a lot. Like mm-hmm. I'm a redneck from Missouri, man. I just, <laughs> I, I try to keep it lit on it as much as I can. Like I got two boys at home and I try to, I don't cuss in front of them, you know? And, few parents reached out to us after one of these videos and they're like guys i love your videos i watch them with my kids you dropped a couple of bad words in the end of this one and i didn't know that was going to happen because you guys usually don't do that and i got my four-year-old in the car watching you on this video it's like can you please cut that out or at least let us let us know as viewers at the beginning of the video what's going to be in there that way i can keep it from my kids because i don't want them to hear it when you hear stuff like that it's like yeah we're yeah. gonna we're gonna fix this we, we've we're got, not gonna we've gotten that feedback like i love the lord but you know i'm also a broken dude and we have foul mouths at times yeah and we've gotten that feedback too we're like you know one has slipped by or something like that and this you know we 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 try to make it as family friendly as possible too. It's mm-hmm. so like we've seen some of that, and and we try to do a better job of making sure there's not something that like slips through the cracks. Or, yeah, and it still happens from time to time, yeah. and that's what I tell those people is like, look, we're going to do the best we can. I appreciate the feedback because, mm-hmm. you know, I I I know what how you feel about it now, yeah. and that's important to us. You know, they and they didn't they didn't come at it from a hateful perspective yeah. or anything. They're just letting us know what their situation is and what they want to see and what they don't want to see. That helps us make better content that's valuable to them. I've, so. I've appreciated where we have responded to people who have had a constructive thought, and then they actually are, are looking at it from a, a clear head and not just from a like, you know, no, no, just... Mm-hmm. And we've had really pleasant exchanges with people on social media, um, contrary to belief where it would just be like, you can't change anybody's mind on social media. Like right. we've actually had really good engagements with that kind of stuff. I've always thought a, a good video cause we get hate on our side too for specific things, but I've always thought a good video to do, but I don't know how to really do it well or find the right guy would be to take a hater hunting. 
like someone who just hates you, just like you know, is always kind of leaving those negative comments, like Vegas. Yeah, you know, Vegas whatever. twenty two. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're gonna have there's gonna be a bunch of people that start leaving hateful comments. Yeah, just to go hunt to try. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I always thought that'd be kind of cool, just like take your hunter hater hunting, give them a little bit of perspective of like who we really are and what we're really doing, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, see if they change their mind after having a an actual look at yeah what it is yeah. Um, that would be really fascinating. Yep. Yeah. What time we got? You got to fly. Go yeah, time. Yeah. I got to go. Um, <laughs> I will. I will say on the point of that y'all saying that the negative feedback y'all get on killing small deer. Two of the most meaningful hunting experiences of my life happened last year, and they were on the two smallest bucks from last year. One was in North Dakota, hundred inch deer, hundred and ten inch deer. Mm-hmm. And then another one was in Pennsylvania, same, same deal, 115-inch deer. And two of the most meaningful hunts of my life were those deer. And it's like the size of the rack has nothing to do with the hunting experience as a whole. And we've tried to get away from like, you know, we, we enjoy the challenge of finding big deer, mm-hmm. but that's not what it's all about. Right. And just because, you know, like we don't want some – kid or or really anyone watching us and putting an unrealistic expectation on their hunt that they're going to have a 170 inch deer come out and i don't want someone to take a 100 inch deer and be like man Mm -hmm. it's not what i'm seeing on youtube or you know something like that and so like that's something a narrative we've really tried to change on our end because you know that has i mean even a doe like just that has the the score like none of it has nothing to do with how much that hunt meant to that hunter. Yeah. So I, I will, I don't want to alienate you guys and just be like, yeah, what do y'all get hate on? That's cool. All right. <laughs> All right. We won't do that. <laughs> yeah. I, the, we get hate on, uh, that we've r- ruined suburban hunting. We've let the secret out mm-hmm. and that, um, which, which to an extent, like we've increased hunting pressure. It's more difficult to find some of these older deer, but there are always going to be big deer that slip through the cracks and make it and there there are so many deer in some of these overpopulated areas that like we need more hunting mm-hmm. i've hunted them yeah. with you yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. that was yeah. one of our most fun videos we've ever done that was like holy crap the deer yeah i mean yeah whereas people like that are anti-hunters in the neighborhoods are complaining about too many deer yeah mm-hmm. like they're just everywhere well we got another hunt together on the books for december this year yeah. Not totally sure what we're going to do, but I guess we've kind of kicked around the idea of doing like part public with you guys and then potentially some door knock and stuff. Yeah. Get you guys out of your comfort zone and same with us. Yeah. You won't get but, Jake out of his. Yeah. Jake will fall right in with you. <laughs> He'll do that 100%. Yeah. I get up there though and boy, I get to shake. I, I got that bad anxiety on me sometimes. <laughs> Just take you a cigarette up there, will you? I <laughs> call the nerves. Doing that. My wife would kill me if I picked that habit back up. But I think we uh, will obviously do more podcasts maybe during that hunt, and we can get it more into, like, hunting tactics and stuff like that that Sweet. I'm sure it would be fun to talk about. Yeah. We've, we have such different experiences, but at the end of the day, deer is a deer, and they use their environment to their advantage mm-hmm. to live. So I think that would be a cool discussion. Yeah, we've got right a lot there. more meat on the bone that we're leaving here but mm-hmm. if i don't leave i'm going to miss my flight so you gotta get we get gotta wrap it up that. <laughs> thanks, so you guys, guys yeah thanks for coming yep